Ornament. Ornament or ornamental qualities are everywhere, but the less we demand of it, the better it is. The more indifferently we treat it, the friendlier. It has about the same relationship to our work as do dialects to our speech. They are inevitable. They will necessarily develop in our communal life, but we must not take them seriously or they will become unpleasant. We will necessarily further the development of ornament as we satisfy more prerequisites which the best communal life and the best industrial work demands. For example, when we carry out the construction of a brick wall in terms of order, simple diligence, a high regard for simplicity and the necessary, then it will necessarily bear strong witness to the ornamental quality. But we have developed it without having wished to, as if to say, even at best, an ornament eclipses a piece of work unintentionally. In figure 32, the individual surfaces have been specially emphasised, although being unimportant in essential terms, which might better explain the ornamental quality of such a surface. And figure 32 is like a brick wall, but most of the bricks are light and some of them are dark in little patterns. On our path through life and labour, ornament expresses the tired or resigned quality which is always in us. Thus we fight ornament with the same necessity with which we fight everything else half done or tired, resigned or contented. The best quality of ornament is the abstract, the stupid or the incomprehensible. In times of very mature work, motives from nature as used ornamentally will either not be found at all or only in very strong translations so that anything conceptual is, if possible, eliminated. Ornament has, and this is said with some apprehension, a ladylike quality. It can express complete views of the world but it is always very timid about it. Or it is always very vague in its, in its expression, or it requires vigorous translation. Ornament lacks the determination to act, and this distinguishes it from that which we usually call great. Whenever we work at something considered important, we are required to concentrate strongly on our work. Ornament, however, is against frowning. It wants to play at work, Thus we would have to be gods were we to achieve something suitable with ornament itself. In the preceding discussion, ornament has already been compared to technical form, something which is to be repeated here. The technical form also recognises strong translations for it to be something to us. In the case of technical form, the necessary translation occurs particularly through our knowledge, in the case of ornament, through our perception. We hold both kinds of translations in equal esteem or we appreciate the technical form as such, as much or as little as we do the ornament, but roughly speaking, if we subtract from the technical form, the technical aspect remains. Once there was a man who had rummaged about for a whole day in the world's history and then called it a day. He had just eaten and drunk very well and was now sitting there just like that, very happy and talking about many things with his wife. She had, afterwards, to take the children to bed and meanwhile Daddy carved round an arrow, half diligently and half lazily. Intentional ornamentation would have started roughly like this. It was half game and half work. If this man had not already been slightly tired that evening, we might assume that he would have tried to improve the arrow according to its essential qualities such as flying, power and so on, instead of ornamenting it. 
ornament is always proof of a lack of the necessary intellectual vitality or power to be able to see or improve the actual essential or primary aspects of our work. It is, so to speak, always only half a job done before going to sleep. Often we are tempted to believe that ornament is a beginning or that it is something like the seed that leads to a more highly developed piece of work. So we had great intentions about teaching drawings, but ornament is not a beginning. For instance, we would hardly imagine that the next morning this man sat down freshly washed and ready to go in order to continue carving very quietly and thoughtfully. On the contrary, in the morning the man would be sure to be interested in other things. It is expressly the secondary forces which create ornament. In everyday life it is always something quite necessary, something residual, which is why, despite all our efforts, we cannot improve on the ornaments that ancient and wild people have already made. Our thinking and feeling which deliberately allow us ornamentation are, it has been said, tired. They are not serious. Thus ornamentation is not for children. It is altogether unchildish. A child always takes its work very seriously indeed. When it is tired, it will, if possible, stop working and go to sleep. The child wants the sensual and thus ornament can be pleasant for a child, but equally a child desires the factual. It will draw a house with a very red roof or a tree with very green leaves or a lady who very clearly has five fingers on each hand. But a child never wants ornament out of some original impulse or it will never, unless badly educated, love ornament as such, quite the reverse. Old established people of high rank love ornament. People who are half done with the world, old cultures, all those who altogether lack progress, or do not believe in progress but still work. Today we have more of our intentions rooted in the childish and beginnings than we want to think. We believe strongly in an improvement and for this reason, deliberate ornamentation is particularly offensive to us. Ornament is the more obstructive, the deeper our sorrow, or the greater our joy, or the more vital our desire for progress. Deep emotions do not want incidentals. A very lively or strong ability takes that which is coarsely material, or the objective world, and seeks to form it in such a way that it not only no longer bothers us, but on the contrary, becomes very pleasant. Ornament seeks to disguise that which is coarsely objective, or to laugh it away. For instance, when we look at a richly ornamented front door, we forget the front door as such. On the other hand, a strong ability will take a front door and make it according to its disposition, its dimensions, technology, etc. It will affirm with its entire being even the coarser requirements and with such a happy heart that it will become a pleasure to use or to make such a front door and we will be happy that front doors are a necessary thing in the world. The ornamental will surely also be there on this occasion but it will be there without us having invited it or taken an interest in it. Ornament is always more aesthetic than artistic. To a large extent, it is satisfied by the form as such, unlike the form of something lively. It has sensitive qualities in common with art, but it is not concerned with the value of a sensation or the kind of sensation. While art always strikes or seeks to strike at very particular sensations, ornament lacks the ability to distinguish sensations. The sensations it arouses are always indeterminable and fortuitous. 
As has already been suggested, the actual value of ornament can be found in the same place as the actual values of ladylike qualities. They work particularly well as quiet laughter, a lady may not laugh aloud, ridicule, she is always superior but unable to name that which is better in concrete terms, in dreamlike qualities, she is always dreaming and is afraid of the real, etc. Today, real ladylike qualities, distinctly opposed to feminine ones, are rare. We lack the necessary appreciation for them. They are of very little consequence, and so we very rarely find them convincing. The same applies to ornament. Though we have a lot of it, we have no use for it. We only continue to produce it because perhaps it was produced in former times, as it is so very intentional and it wants to be taken seriously. For that reason, it is suffering. It lacks a healthy or obvious quality. The love of industrial work always contains the love of the ornamental. It certainly cannot reject it. It is inherent in healthy work, like our whistling or singing at work, or the pattern of a brick wall, which we do not strive for, but which covers our sober work, giving it such a noteworthy appearance, or like a poppy in a cornfield, a laughing accessory in a large expanse of utility. Not something we wanted, but something we could not avoid. So let it be as quiet as possible, very incidental and very timid.